Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish. Today, we are going to do the final episode of Lazy GM Prep for Scarlet Citadel. We're not actually doing the prep. This is the final end cap of a long series of videos where we talked about my prep and talked about what happened in the game for my Scarlet Citadel campaign. In today's show, we are going to cover A, all of my tips and tricks and offers and recommendations for running Scarlet Citadel. And B, I'm going to talk about what happened at the end of my own campaign. So this show has bookmarks so that you can jump to the specific sections that you're interested in, or you can listen to the whole thing. It's totally up to you. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to all kinds of really cool things, including a dedicated Discord server, a monthly Q&A forum on, the, on Patreon, whole bunch of exclusive products that they get, City of Arches Sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, a whole bunch more for a very low price. It's a fantastic way to support the work that I do and a fantastic way to get a lot of cool products. Please check out the Patreon. You can find it in the show notes. Right up front... I want to offer valuable, useful tips from my experience running Scarlet Citadel. I've, whenever I am talking about an adventure, you will often find me not reviewing adventures. I'll do spotlights on products, but I tend not to review products because I feel like you really need to use them in order to really understand them. So particularly for big campaign adventures, I don't really like to say whether or not one is good or bad or whatever until I've actually run it. Well, now I've actually run it. I've had, I've had hundreds of hours of time prepping and running Scarlet Citadel. So I feel like I have good, solid, valuable experiences to share with you if you're considering running Scarlet Citadel. So I have a few main tips. Number one, you're going to have to bring your own story to this adventure. While it's got very detailed locations and a lot of interesting things that are going on and many levels that goes from like first to like ninth-ish level, it's got lots of different villains that are doing things in there. There isn't any main central hook or plot or story that you can hook your characters with to make them go down into the Scarlet Citadel and get repeatedly punched in the face by very powerful monsters and still come back. Right from the beginning of the adventure, you will find very powerful villains, very powerful monsters that the characters will fight early on in their levels where they could get very bloody and have to leave and maybe come back later. So you're going to have to figure out what that plot is. In my own story, in my own running of this, luckily it came to us when during our session zero, which I highly recommend you do for any RPG, when we did our session zero, it was clear that a few different characters were tied to an entity called the Weird Weaver. And this is because the Weird Weaver had like certain class builds, certain subclasses in the Tome of Heroes, which we were using using as one of our source books for character creation. And so we hung on to this idea of this weird weaver, this sort of, not exactly a god, but an entity of chaos, but good chaos, randomness, really. And I, we thought that was really cool. And I was like, what if, the, what if the, the god of randomness had been captured and was getting twisted by powerful agents, powerful wizards down in the Scarlet Citadel, and it was up to the characters to, re to restore and recover this deity? That was a storyline that worked really well. It was one we came up with me and my players came up with during character creation and then i used that to drive the whole rest of the adventure you're going to need something like that now it does have this whole idea that the ley lines are getting pulled and twisted by these entities but there's no there's no escalation there's nothing that's happening that's getting worse there's no danger to the town of red tower there's no danger to the area in fact you could if you if the characters didn't show up here from the adventure as written it's not clear to me that anything would happen 
it's not clear that there's any bad event that would occur. The characters going in there and delving into the Scarlet Citadel and dealing with all these stuff is entirely inconsequential to the world around it. That doesn't feel like the kind of adventure that I would want to run. So you're going to have to bring that part of it with you. Two, and this is related, you're going to want the four, the operations of the four main villains of this game need to escalate and build a sense of urgency. There are four primary villains that you can kind of use as the main drivers and motivators in this campaign. Dineska Maskalov, the, the lady of oozes, Uthzi, the master of time, Immorta the debased, who's a powerful summoner, and Gellert the gruesome, who's kind of the whole leader of all of these groups. It makes a lot of sense that those four main villains would be doing things that are making the world worse. And you can kind of decide what you want to add to it, but you have to do that. You also want to know that the things that they're doing are making the world worse somehow. And that escalation is why the characters need to get involved and go down there and do stuff. Now, it's written, Scarlet Citadel is written to be kind of this old school sort of dungeon delving adventure. And I guess there's like a feeling that those kind of adventures don't need to have motivations like that. But I just, in, a, in today's world, in today's world of RPGs, I can't imagine characters who aren't being played by the players who say, wow, we walked in and got our, got our asses handed to us by that first guy. Maybe we should go do something else for a career. Like, why keep going down there if you're getting beat up? So if you have dungeons that are equally hard and deadly and don't have a good, clear motivation for why you should go there, it makes perfect sense for the characters to say, we're going somewhere else. So that's something you're going to want to bring to it. One thing that's really cool about the Scarlet Citadel is a lot of verticality in the dungeon. It's like six levels deep, but the levels have all of these different interconnections. There's an, an oubliette right in the first level that goes all the way down to like level four. And there's stair secret stairwells that can take you up. It actually has like built into it almost like save points where once you get down to like level three, there's a staircase that you can find that takes you all the way back up to the top, which means you don't have to go from levels one and two anymore. You can and you can go back the old way, but now there's new paths that take up. So that's really cool. It's kind of like ways for you to unlock shortcuts that occur. And you find this like in games like Dark Souls, right? That the, the, the Souls, the Souls style dungeons where you go through huge towers fighting lots of stuff, you get to a certain point, and then you find a cool elevator that takes you right back to the beginning. You're like, oh, thank God, I never have to go through those levels again. It's really neat. And Scarlet Citadel has, Scarlet Citadel has that. You want to note what those are. You want to find, go through the book, take your Sharpie, write in your book. Don't worry about writing in your own book. It's totally fine. I give you permission to write in your own book. It makes your book more valuable than all the other ones that are out there. There's millions, of, well, not millions, there's thousands of copies of Scarlet Citadel out there. The minute you take a marker to yours, yours is now unique. Yours is now more valuable because it's got your notes in it. You can take secret notes that for the next person, 200 years from now, when somebody takes that book and looks at it, they're going to find secret stuff in your version of it that no one will find in anybody else's right in it. So take your Sharpie and connect the different locations that are vertical. You're going to want to read through the book, find the vertical locations and say, hey, this one connects to this other one so that you know where they all go. It's a little tricky to figure out. But once you figure it out, that verticality is really neat. It's really one of the, the cool features on it. Focus on the dynamics of the dungeon's denizens. As the characters are changing things, what's changing in the dungeon itself? We had a lot of really fun bits like this. Like one of the fun things was that they defeated the, the, the Lady of Oozes, Dineska Maskalov, and they like threw her body into a chamber where a whole bunch of other oozes were swirling around. And they clearly knew, I bet Dineska got eaten by these oozes and now they have like her personality and they're like splitting and turning into giant oozes. And I had that manifest so that later on when they're in level three, there's like bits of like acidic dripping coming from the ceiling 
something above and like what the hell is that like i bet that's dineska ooze right and then later they like went through and they saw two different like weird blood oozes that were shaped sort of like dineska that were talking about how pretty the other one was and i thought that was just really fun so when the characters are doing things you want the events that they have done to change the dungeon to show what's different about it to escalate things at one point the characters did a quest for the head of the trollkin on level two and they I, the quest was to go find this this crown and it was a circulate of intellect but it was a circulate of intellect that was possessed with a sliver of loki's loki's influence and so when they put it on you would be both smarter but a little bit more mischievous and so they gave it to brynjar who was kind of not a not the sharpest knife in the drawer and when he put it on he suddenly got like a you know hey and and you know we're all gonna go and meet our friends at red tower but we're not gonna like assault them i'm gonna take over red tower but i'm gonna take it over because of my vast charisma now that i've got the headband of intellect so show how the world is going to change one last thing, this adventure works really well on a virtual tabletop. You can, of course, buy it for virtual tabletops like, I think, Shard and Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds. Uh, I don't know if it's available on Foundry. So you could buy it on those platforms and everything's already wired for you and everything's ready to go. But even if you just have the PDFs and you just have the digital map pack for it, the digital maps can work well in like Albert Rodeo or anything else. It also, the physical version of it includes, a, you can buy a map pack for it. I don't know if it's still for sale. It might be a little hard to get. But you can buy a big map pack that has full poster maps of every level in the Citadel. And one thing I, be, I think this is true, the adventure was written around the maps. So the maps were designed first and then the adventure was built around the things that were going on in the maps. I don't know that it went the other way. So it means that like you can literally run this entire adventure and we did from just those maps that like we had, I had them all loaded up in Albert Rodeo. I, yeah, had them all loaded up in Albert Rodeo and we were able to uh, just keep those maps up and that would show me where they ended and I, I had other creatures on there. It was very easy for me to use, very easy for us to, to stay on track. And it meant that we could just stay like those maps were sort of the central way that we interface with this entire module. And that worked really well. So I like that very much. So those are my main tips if you are planning to run Scarlet Citadel. But I think it is important that I offer my overall recommendation, which is that I cannot recommend Scarlet Citadel for your campaign. If you are considering running a large campaign, there are many other adventures that I would recommend, many other campaigns that I would recommend first. Somebody asked me earlier, which one of the Wizards of the Coast adventures would I where would I place it in my list of published adventures from Wizards of the Coast? This isn't exactly fair because it's a third party or it's a other, another fifth edition publisher that published this. And there's many other fifth edition published campaign settings that I'm not comparing it to as well. But this might give somebody a gauge because these are probably the most well-known published adventures that are out there. And where I place this, this list is available on my Guide to Published Adventures article on Sly Flourish. Again, it only has Wizards of the Coast published adventures. It doesn't even have all of those because there's some that I haven't played. There's one adventure that I have run through that isn't on here and that's the light of Zaraxxus adventure from the Spelljammer box set and I before I would I figured out that I would put light of Zaraxxus right between tomb of annihilation and storm king's thunder I really think it fits pretty much right in the middle I enjoyed running it it's really good that said I can't recommend light of Zaraxxus either because it comes in this giant Spelljammer box set and I didn't really like the rest of the Spelljammer box set I think you can get Light of uh, the Spelljammer box set on sale on Amazon now for like under $35. That makes it worthwhile. It's a, that's a right price. 70 bucks, I think, is too much for a 32 page or 64 page adventure. But 
I digress. So where would I play Scarlet Citadel? So Scarlet Citadel, I would actually, I would rather run Storm King's Thunder. I would rather run Tyranny of Dragons. I would rather run Princes of the Apocalypse. I would rather run Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and I'd rather run Out of the Abyss, which means I would put it in the bottom three of these adventures. I would say I would rather run Scarlet Citadel than Rime of the Frostmaiden and Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. And I put it down there for the same reasons that those are down on the bottom of that list. And that's because it required a ton of work for me to wrangle it into a position that I felt like I could run a good game from it. And I'm busy. We're all busy. We're also paying a lot of money for products like this. It is there to help us. These products are built to help us run games. I don't feel like Scarlet Citadel helped me run games. The, it's a beautiful book. It's well laid out. It's The editing is excellent. The artwork is really good. The story is i mean the story as it is again it doesn't have a motivation in it so it doesn't really have a story but the backgrounds and stuff are really fun i we didn't have any sort of like dungeon fatigue it was really fun to run but the two biggest issues that it has both which are issues that prevented me that could prevent me from recommending it is that one holy cow is it too wordy when I look for a product, this is a kind of a critical thing about the design of RPG products. I don't even know that I succeed with this all that often, oh, I, but I try and it's something I keep in mind. And it's something I certainly keep in mind when I'm looking at products that I'm buying. How table usable is this product? Is this something that is easy for me to use at the table? And I mentioned Light of Xeraxis before because it's the other campaign I was playing in parallel to this one. I was playing Empire of the Ghouls, which I also really like. That's another Cobalt Press campaign. And I really like Empire of the Ghouls. And when I'm done with Empire of the Ghouls, I'm going to do a show where I talk all about Empire of the Ghouls. And, and it's very good. I really like it. Then, But I was also running Light of Xeraxis, the Spelljammer adventure, alongside this adventure. And Light of Xeraxis was so much easier to run because... It's not too wordy. It's very efficient in its writing. It really cuts to the things that are happening and what you need to do and what you need to pay attention to. It, it is not too brief. It gives you enough to work with. But Scarlet Citadel regularly has three pages for one room. More than once, you're going through it and you'll find that entire levels that are only like 12 or 13 rooms have like 25 or 30 pages of material. And the kind of material that's there, it's very, very verbose, right? These, these chambers are really, like, you know, really, really long in their descriptions, right? Here's, you know, the Dust Goblin's Lair starts here, 204. And it goes for, it's really one whole page for one side room. And the whole book is kind of this way. It's these really, really long descriptions. You know, here's, here's one. Now, this is a boss, a boss room, right? The Alchemist's Furnace. 206 begins on page 54 all of page 55 all of page 56 and a chunk of page 57 that's too long and you can see it's it's got little tables in here of course like you know but a lot of it is just paragraphs of description and it could be just bullets like just make it brief help me out now the thing is like okay well you know what you can do mike you can just read it Right. And I did read it. The thing is, like, I read stuff doesn't necessarily mean that I have internalized everything. And if I haven't internalized it, I've got to read it again when it's time for us to run at the table. And if I don't have a quick summary of like what's supposed to happen in this room, I have to read every one of these things again. And sometimes I have to do it at the table. And that just takes too much time. Again, here's another one. Right. The arcane scriptorium, the time, the time construct. Right. I go down, you know, 
216, one whole page, two whole page, three whole pages, four whole pages. It's five pages long from one room. Help, help me, help me out. So, you know, I'm belaboring the point. It's just really, really wordy. And then we have, so then, and I brought up before, there's no motivation. There's not a clear motivation for why we're doing things in, uh, uh, in I got to bring my own motivators to it. Well, help a dude out, right? You've got, you've got all this stuff. So the main, those are my main two reasons. This one's really not a, not a, not a, not a separate reason. It's really a, a conclusion. And the conclusion is between those two things, between being super, super wordy in, in everything and making me do a whole lot of work to just understand exactly what I was supposed to do. And half the time I just threw it away and did my own thing anyway. It was super, super wordy and it didn't have any motivation. I had to bring both of those things to it. And that to me, it's too much work. And when I'm paying the, when we're paying the kind of money that we're paying for these products, and I don't know it's not like per hour, it's actually really cheap. And again, the quality of everything else in this book is, found, is fantastic. I'm going to talk about what I loved about this adventure. But those two things made it too hard for me to recommend. So I can't recommend it. And there are other ones. Dungeons of Drakenheim is another adventure that is clearly written by GMs for GMs. I haven't run it yet, but I've talked to people that have run it. I've read it myself. That is one that is like a good solid adventure that's that's designed for you to run it at the table and give you what you need. Shadowed Keep on the Borderlands is an adventure I'm running right now, written by Raging Swan. And it's an example of a book that is really well designed, really well written, and built for you to run it at your table. It's 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 built to run the, the, the whole thing there. So those are like examples of ones that I think really work well. Light of Zaraxis. It's an adventure written for you to be able to run. It gives you the information you need, the story that's going on, the imagery you want to project. And when you're doing your prep, it's very easy to prep this stuff because it's pretty easy to pick up and read. What do I like about Scarlet Citadel? Again, you know, I, I, I hit on these two points and those two points are the points that make me unable to recommend the book. But what do I, what do I like about it? One, the VTT maps are beautiful. The maps in general are really beautiful. I talked about this, the, being able to use those maps, being able to make them the kind of the, the focal point of your and you and your players interaction with the Scarlet Citadels through those maps. And they, they do a really, they re, do a really good job, even though it's a big, what we call a kill a dungeon, right? It's not a mega dungeon. It's a kill a dungeon because it's kind of, you know, six levels. It's not nothing. But, you know, it never got boring. It never got stale. And there was lots of interesting story, lots of interesting NPCs, lots of upward and downward beats, lots of interesting puzzles to solve. Lots of all the kind of things that we want in a good fantasy game are in this adventure. And, and we really enjoyed it. Like the players and I really enjoyed it. it you know, I, I, I thought I don't I don't regret running it, but I know that there are other adventures I could have run that would have been easier to run that we also would have had a good time with. The evolution of the Citadel, and this is handled in the book. The way that the Citadel evolves over time works really well. And that was a lot of fun. And there's lots of fun lore that's wrapped around this whole thing. The whole idea of the ley lines and how they're being twisted. The concept of the Black River, the, the, the segment of the River Styx. The four villains themselves. The history of the Scarlet Citadel. Lots of good details to bathe this entire dungeon in so that you're never really bored. There's always new things to explore. There's new events to pick up on. That worked, that worked really well. So I really like that. So that's how I feel about the adventure itself. But now, for those of you who have been following along with my various Lazy GM prep, or you're just interested in how did this whole thing turn out for me and turn out for the game, I'm going to talk about what happened in our game itself in the final conclusion of the game. Again, I have a whole series of videos that walks through my weekly prep for this whole thing. So we ran through 32 sessions of this game. It took 32 four, three-hour sessions, 32 three-hour sessions for us to run. And that was, that was really a fun time. 
It was a good campaign. It was it was a fun time. It was gl- I'm glad it's over because now we get to start new things. And what we're doing is Shadow Dark. We're running Shadow Dark RPG in the gloaming. I have a whole other video series where we're talking about that. So how did my campaign end? We were on level six of the Citadel. They went, they made their way down through the big storm and we came to this area and this is all described in the book. There's this kind of fun, very dangerous puzzle where you have a set of bars that are blocking the access to the big void that's in the center of the main chamber and a door that seals off that chamber to stop the wind flow. And if you don't have the lever in the right position, if you lift them both up, people have to make checks or they go flying through the air and they fall into a sphere of annihilation and they're destroyed. And so we started off the session with them discovering this this issue that they had to get through. And as you can see from all of the squiggly lines that they drew here, they did a whole lot of planning and prep of hammering pitons into the wall, running ropes through, trying to make their way into the chamber without getting sucked through. And it was really fun. And they said like, wow, this is some serious old school D&D kind of work that us like figuring out exactly how we're going to get these ropes and positioning ourselves so we're not sucked through. And they had this great thing where like, I asked one of the characters, Dorn, he's like, I want to hammer a piton and tie a rope to this. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what's your strength? What's your strength athletics modifier? And he's like, it's like plus one. And I'm like, I'm going to roll on my side. And I rolled it. I said, okay, you hammer the piton and you are confident that it's secured. And he's like, it's secure, everybody. <laughs> and so then Malarkey is like, okay, I'm going to tie myself to the rope. It's be like, hey, everybody, this is what we should do. And then she lifts her feet up and lets the air pull her through. <laughs> and as soon as she gets to Dorn, the piton goes popping right out of the wall. And she just goes, huh? <laughs> she goes soaring right by. And Dorn just goes, Vroom, you know, and sees her go zipping by and like oh shit there she goes and then she's pinned and i and i i just moved her off the screen so they couldn't see what happened to her and they're like do we just, do we just lose malarkey like what happened and then everyone else is like making their way like i think we're gonna have to try that piton again and then they're like making their way through this tremendous force that's pulling them and they go and luckily the bard the bard version was there and and malarkey is pinned to it like with her head like through the bars looking at this void and she can't move and she's like hey everybody i'm in trouble Right. And they, so they had to like monkey around with all the ropes and figure out. And there was more than once where they were like ready. They, I think they had like a, did they have like a zombie thing? I think they some, uh, yeah, the guy, one of the characters summoned a shade that he had an like, object that let him summon a shade. And she's like, how can I be of service? And like, we need you to go screw with that lever. And the shades like jerking the lever back and forth. And people are flying around. They finally managed to figure out, okay, we want to have the bars down and the door closed. And then keep that door closed and like all their ears popped and then they felt all this pressure and you know the it, it sort of the force was not so great that it was sucking all the air out of the room so then they were under control and then they made their way into the central chamber and they fought i had like a three phase battle where they fought some like shardling things like shardling monsters which just didn't work out really well i should have I, I don't know it wasn't that part wasn't so much fun but then in the middle of that fight, all of a sudden the air started sucking around and they started swirling around the room again. They're like, oh my God, what happened? And then it stopped again. And like, what was that? And then a clay guardian came in and popping out of the clay guardian because he was resting like inside and he's all muddy because he's covered with clay was Gellert the Gruesome who's like, hey, you're here too. I got the third icosahedron that you guys skipped and I've got it. And now we have three of the four icosahedrons here. We can do this thing. And they're like, we're not doing that. You're, 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 you're bad people. And so they had a big fight with him and he's blasting them. They're shooting him. And 
then they used the wand of wonder. This was really fun that like they got a wand of wonder and I was like, this is going to trigger the wild magic that's in deep magic, not the wild magic that is in any of the other books. So they didn't know what it was going to do. And it, it said it had something like you commune with an outsider. You commune with a creature from the outside. And I was like, who could that be? And I was like, what if that's like Kurgeron, the pit fiend that they dealt with back on level four? So I had it rip open a rift to the shadow side and there's Kurgeron, this huge pit fiend. And they're like, oh shit, now we got now we got Kurgeron to deal with. And Kurgeron's like, comes out and he goes, well, I guess I have to do a favor for you or something. And they're like, oh, that was what the wand did. Yes, kill him. And he looks over at Gellert and Gellert looks at him and he just beams Gellert twice with his big mace. And he was a full pit fiend, CR 21 pit fiend. And he killed Gellert with two hits, this boom, boom. And Gellert's just mashed potatoes. And then he's like, all right, now we're even. I'm going back again. And he goes back in the portal closer. He's like, well, that works, right? We didn't have to fight Gellert the gruesome the pit fiend crushed him so they crushed gellert the gruesome they killed him and then in the middle of that fight the golem immediately stopped dealing with it in the middle of that fight the malevolent void came out which is this huge powerful otherworldly entity that's reaching out through the void to try to grab and you know grab people and pull them inside and they had to fight that thing and they were really like on death's door but they defeated the malevolent void oh they were they were not doing great and then skrink said you know, it was, they were like figuring out from Arcana checks and stuff like that. Like, what happens if we throw the the icosahedrons that we've been collecting into the void? And it's like, well, they won't go on their own. You have to bring them in there. And Skrink is like, I grab two icosahedrons and I leap into the malevolent void. And everyone's like, oh man. And I'm like, you know, you think that there's no return from that. Like true resurrection won't do it. And she's like, I, I jump. And so Skrink takes the two icosahedrons and leaps into the portal, which then immediately collapses upon itself. And there's like a, you know, and it's closed and they all go they're like, oh my God, Skrink is gone. Right. And so we then jumped to our one year later montages, which is my favorite part of every campaign. It's the, you know, it's the part where you hand the story over to the players. They describe what happens with their characters a year later. And it's really fun. And some of these, and I'm going to kind of, I'm going to do these a little bit out of order. So Dorn, who was a shade that was possessing the body of a, of a, of a person named Potter realized, Hey, I'd always planned on returning to become, to, 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 to be alive again. But I think that really I have found my place and that my, I'm better off. I'm better off following the natural path. And he went back to Malkaren and Maul Karen held out his hand and he put silver in his hand and he joined the boat and they went off down the Black River, which now had been restored to a nice normal state because all the Icosahedrons are gone. Mez, who had been trying to protect the body of Potter, which is possessed by Dorn, realized that it isn't the bodies that need protection. It's the stories of the individuals. And so Mez realized that it's his place to kind of tell these people's stories, both Dorn's story and Potter's story, and tell the stories of other people who had died and kind of changed a new leaf and went back to Zobek with an understanding of like what, you know, it's telling the stories of the people who had passed by. That's what's really important. Garble created a new mushroom super colony in the bottom layer of the Scarlet Citadel. Now that the Black River is restored to a normal state, the, the, the mushrooms can, can, can grow naturally. And so Garble did that. Uh, and then Skrink is just plain gone, right? Skrink vanished into the hole in the world and he is gone. And all of us are like, but what if he's not? And then they're like, and, and then the, the player's like, nope, he's gone. <laughs> he's just gone, gone. But Malarkey's like, I can't, I can't live with that. I can't sit with that. I'm going to try to find out how to restore Frank. 
and I'm going to travel to the twisted, the twisted plateau of Ling, where the spiders of Ling know weird, terrible, dark magic. They were the last possessor of one of the icosahedrons, and they might be able to find Skrink again. And he found a new rat folk person named Slink, who's like another rogue on the streets of Zobek, who reminded Malarkey of Skrink. And Slink and Malarkey went to the Plateau of Ling to try to find a way to bring back Skrink. And that was the end of the campaign. And that was really cool. Very epic. I love those final endings. You know, really, really fun stuff. And we really enjoyed it. So so that's how my Scarlet Citadel ending. That's how my Scarlet Citadel campaign ended. As I mentioned, we have now started a Shadow Dark RPG. You can find a whole other series of podcasts and videos where I talk about prepping for and talk about our Shadow Dark RPG game, which we are we're two sessions in and really enjoying it, really having a good time. And and now we kind of close the book on Scarlet Citadel and set it aside and, and move on to our other adventures. So I hope you found this video useful. If you did and you want more stuff like this, the best way to get access to all of the work I do, whether it's videos or podcasts or articles or tips or anything, is to subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. Every Tuesday, you get a new weekly article that includes links, includes a, a, an article about an RPG-related topic and then links to all of the other work that I do and other tips that I've got and other things that I've got. It's a really, really rich newsletter that's got all this stuff in it. You can, and you also get a free Adventure Generator PDF for, for, for subscribing and it's absolutely free to sign up. You can also support me directly on Patreon. Patrons get access to all kinds of other material, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, the City of Arches sourcebook, the dedicated Discord server, dedicated monthly Q&A, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And you can, of course, you can pick up any of my books, including Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, Lazy Dames Workbook, Lazy Dames Companion, soon Forge of Foes, and a whole bunch of other books on the Sly Flourish bookstore. You can find links to all of those in the show notes. Thank you all so much. Have a great day, and get out there and play an RPG.